Here's your Wealth Professional Morning Briefing for Wednesday, February 16th. Following more than two weeks of disruption caused by Freedom Convoy protests, Canadian Finance Minister Chrystia Freeland has announced stiff financial restrictions aimed at blocking financial aid to the movement. Under the new measures, which were enabled under the never-before-invoked Emergencies Act, banks in Canada now have the government's authorization to freeze accounts suspected of sponsoring the blockades and revoke insurance on cars that are participating in the protests. Several groups slammed the move. Among those was the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, which said Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act without meeting the required standard. It said that such legislation can only be used when a situation emerges that threatens the government of Canada's ability to protect Canada's sovereignty, security and territorial integrity in a serious way. The use of the Act has also been criticised by several provincial premiers. Is it time that Canada raised the age at which retirees receive payments from government retirement programmes? Canada is one of just seven OECD member nations where the pension eligibility age is not currently set to rise. Those eligible for old age security and the guaranteed income supplement can receive the payments when they're 65. But in the US, for example, government pension payments cannot be claimed by anyone born since 1960 until they reach their 67th birthday. A similar plan was proposed for Canadians in 2012, but reversed four years later. A new Fraser Institute study found that 16 of the 22 OECD countries covered have increased or plan to increase retirement program age thresholds above 65, Five of the nations now link eligibility increases to life expectancy. If all proposed changes are completed, Canada will tie for the lowest retirement age among OECD high-income countries. The cost of maintaining this is forecast to be more than $10 billion by 2030, and the report authors warn this may mean higher taxes. Manulife Investment Management has announced some changes to some of the leadership of its global fixed-income investment teams. It comes as Daniel Janis, head of global multi-sector fixed income, has announced his plan to retire on March 15th next year. In the interim, he'll be joined by portfolio manager Christopher Chapman as co-head of the team with immediate effect. He'll succeed Janice on his retirement. The firm has also announced a new global credit team led by Karen Rothman, who's being promoted to senior portfolio manager and head of the global credit team. This is effective March 31st, 2022. The new team is formed from the combination of the US high yield and preferred income teams. As government and public health authorities begin to re-evaluate COVID restrictions, data from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business shows that while small business owners are in favour of the change, they oppose some policies more than others. The strongest calls are to eliminate capacity limits, travel restrictions such as PCR border tests and vaccine passports for customers. 60% want an end to vaccine mandates for employees. These stories in full at wealthprofessional.ca and in our newsletters. Plus, still early days in the quest for a Canadian ESG disclosure framework. When should Canadian crypto owners watch out for the taxman? And how are Canadians changing their ETF buys? For Wealth Professional Canada, I'm Steve Randall.